Regal Movie Masters. Unlimited. This is the Regal Movie Masters Unlimited Podcast, where we indiscriminately watch every goddamn movie that comes out at the local theater. The Movie Masters today I've seen. Hi. Brent. Hello. Dylan. What's up? I'm Colin. Uh, we got uh, three films to knock out here. We got Bo is Afraid, Evil Dead Rise, and Chevalier. Uh, Brent's got a solo mission for you. I got a game of AIMDB. It's it's tearing up the charts, this game. People are going crazy for this AIMDB. I don't know that. I haven't heard anything <laughs> about that, which and I know I haven't heard anything about it. Because I checked our email, which is moviemasters760 at gmail.com. That's moviemasters, plural, 760. Send us an email. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll chat it up if you, if you want to have anything discussed on the show. Uh, uh, defaults to anonymous. So if you want us to use your name, say, hey. You can use our, my name, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll read your comment and your name in our next uh, episode. But today we have some movies to discuss. We got the big new uh, Ari Aster movie. Bo is afraid. It's a twenty-four. It's a good time. It's a twenty-four-hour-long movie. <laughs> it's a free. It's a scant thirty-six hours. It goes by real quick. It's, a twenty-four hours. Yeah. Um, Ari Aster, he did Midsommar and Hereditary. Joaquin Phoenix is in it. A uh, whole bunch of folks are in it. It's a no, it's not an ensemble cast. It's yeah. it's just Joaquin. Just a bunch of bit parts. Right, but man, you you. But if the movie it. was shorter, they'd be significantly more of a, a a factor. Like Nathan Lane. Yeah. You know, like if it was like an hour and a half movie, he might get cut. He might get cut. <laughs> but I, I've been I've struggled so hard to figure out how to explain this movie in terms of a plot. Um, it's a, a a young man. No, it's an adult man. It's a grown. It's an old middle aged man, uh, Bo, the titular Bo, who is uh, on a, going to visit his mom, and just a series of unfortunate events happens, calamities, and uh, he is uh, left uh, in just a a whole bunch of difficult situations on the way. That's like kind. That's essentially the plot. But um, I've seen this movie described as a horror comedy, yeah, <laughs> surreal art house film. Yeah, um, it is definitely, I would say, surrealist above all. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely the probably the big important thing, regardless of genre, because I don't think it fits in any kind of genre, nor does it purport to. Um, I would even say including like art house, which is like the laziest uh, describe descriptor of a movie genre. You just say, oh, it's an art house movie. And then you don't have to like worry about if it's a, you know, comedy or drama or whatever. But, um, yeah, above all, it is just not a grounded in reality kind of movie. And I think that's, and so everything that happens in it, um, is just chaos in a sense. Um, so yeah, it's definitely not confined by, uh, a genre like that, but, Man, I, uh, I I'm smitten by this movie. I have like a lot of really nice things to say. Does anyone want to talk before I start to really bloviate here? <laughs> I just got out of it, and I was really impressed. This is one that uh, I texted Colin earlier today and said, "Thank you for being the canary in the coal mine." Because I saw the runtime, and I saw just how impossible it was for people to concisely describe what it is. Right, 
And I, I just like, all right, you know, like if, <laughs> if Colin goes and sees it, tells me to see it, I'm gonna go see it. And sure enough, like you said, it's probably the the best movie you saw this year. It's my it's it's my favorite movie I've seen this year. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a grand statement or not. It's special. They, yeah, I think they pulled off some actual. You know what I mean? Like how they talk about like movie magic. Right. There was some straight up magic in that in that movie. Um, there's some stuff. I mean, you could break down like how they did it. Of course. But just watching it, you know, like going in there and sitting down and watching it, you're just, you're, it's it's cool to be kind of blown away. Yeah, I I saw storytelling in the theaters. Yeah, and uh, that's one that um, you just kind of arbitrarily. I think I liked this. Well, happiness was before mm-hmm. storytelling. Yeah, I was just a big old happiness fan, and so storytelling was out, and I was like, oh, let's see this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and like. And that movie came out what, like twenty years ago, and yeah. I'm still thinking about being in the theater watching it. And this movie kind of, I think, is going to stay with me in the same way. Just having, like, the experience of watching it. I think I was smiling like the entire time. <laughs> Which out? Do you have a favorite hour from the movie? <sighs> Jeez, I mean, the first one goes hard. That's ins- yeah, it's nuts. and I think it's such a high uh, wire attempt to like get you into this world that Bo uh-huh. is in setting the tone of the film yeah that to me I think is the biggest challenge because it's not like the tone and like the rules of the world <laughs> are kind of like the major player and that's what sets it apart from other movies it's not necessarily like an acting style or the way it's shot it's just this world in which it takes place so establishing that world and making you the viewer like kind of cool with seeing a just whatever happening on screen that is really impressive. So if I had to, if if I mean, so that's a weird, weird question. <laughs> the reason I, I know what you're saying. I feel like it's on. Like you can almost divide the movie up into three parts. Or at least I was doing that as I went because yeah, the first hour I felt like they're kind of establishing a world of mm, an un- unhealthy brain, right? You know what I mean? Like, they're like, whose perspective is this? You know, at first you're like, is, yeah. am I getting it from his perspective or is? What perspective am I supposed to have? And like my takeaway was just like, okay, this is a mentally ill person because he's getting prescriptions, he's going to therapy, he's having right. trouble just like functioning in life. Second hour, I looked at as like the Nathan Lane show. He just came in and just right. fucking rocked it. Third hour kind of started with like, okay, we should say that like this movie definitely has some Truman Show and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind in its DNA. Just before the third hour, it introduces like some what like older Wes Anderson vibes. You know what I mean? Sure. Like when he stumbles into the uh, the acting troupe right, out in the right. woods. You know what I mean? That that was very heavy. And that's where like it really took off for me in terms of like, oh my God, what am I watching? Because like it, it got animated. And that third-ish hour, I would say like it at least started, the way it started was the most exciting part for me. I would say that was my least favorite part of the movie. The third part? The forest part, the whole part. Really? Yeah. And I the... think that the cool thing about the movie was establishing the crazy world that he lives right. in. Yeah. And so to take you in, out of it entirely, it's kind of like, this is not, it doesn't, we don't care about this. <laughs> Who cares about this? Really? Okay. I think that that part really to the director was summing up the whole movie. Yeah. So it sort of felt like, why do, Why are you telling me what the movie is inside of the movie? In a, it seemed like that was like a short, short film or a short animated. They film. did that in the second hour too, where he's watching himself on security, right. and he pauses it, and then he realizes that he can fast forward and rewind. They mm-hmm. show you frames from the rest of the movie, so you kind of like, they they're disparate the way it's shown in the second hour, but you know, as you as you watch the next hour and a half or so, it shows you how they get there. At least it's still in the same 
world. And so if he's watching that movie and being able to see like what's coming next, that would still fit with his like, yeah. he knows his life, you know, he knows right. the trajectory of his life. He can see it playing out already. And so I would buy that. I just think like the whole animated part and stuff was a... Uh, Far. It was a lot. Yeah. I might have forgiven it too if it had been during like uh, when those girls made him do some kind of drugs. Right. That would have made sense to me. But um, I don't know why it was in that world. I guess is the whole is I, my only. I just think through the whole entire movie is like through the lens of you know some degree of mental illness. So that broke down a lot of barriers for storytelling and and pr even perspective for me. You know, because I was just kind of like because they, they broke a lot of walls you know, in the telling of the story. Um, and I'm glad she brought up the drug scene because the way they shot that was pretty awesome. There was just like a, a an overall haze to it. Like, and you kind of could kind of feel it, it. Like it visually communicated what he might be feeling effectively. I dug that. And I think the drug scene, I'm trying to remember what's revealed. And uh, I guess... I've, I'm trying not to like ruin the movie for people, but at this point you're listening to this. So <laughs> I'm going to talk about everything i think um the all like the drug sequence they kind of get into something about his past because you're kind of learning about his past through the movie and the theater scene i kind of appreciate one as just showing that he kind of has a like imagination that can go off into these like it's sucked into the play that's how i saw it it's mm -hmm. like he's just getting absorbed into this play watching it and i think you also it gives you one of the more important pieces of like hard information of the movie, which is that he's been trained or indoctrinated from his mom at an early age to believe that when he, as soon as he comes inside of a woman, he's going to die because that's what happened to his father and his father's father. So like I'm thinking of the animation scene as like completely extraneous, but you do get information out of it and visually it's really nice and, I don't see it as like seen through the eyes of a mentally ill person at all. Like I think everything about the movie is very literal. Like I just accept that this is the world that he's operating in. You know, it's not. Love that. Yeah, it's not like I don't think there's like a lot of effort made, especially on the filmmaker's part, to be like, what's real, what isn't. This is this an unreliable narrator, or it's just all kind of absurdity and all kind of surreal. I was really in my head about comic books watching this because I was trying to like, I don't know, get some sort of like a lifeboat to be like, what is this like? You know, mm. and I was reminded a lot of um, Peter Bag and Daniel Klaus and yeah. Robert Crumb and those early way. The, I go, well, I guess Bag and Klaus would be like the sons of Crumb. But um, that approach to comic book storytelling where it's just and I, and my I read those comics now and I still really love them but they are so completely anachronistic like the values in those comics and everything in them is just so not like in keeping with modern sensibilities and they're not that old we're talking in some cases comics from the 90s you know like 30 years ago but they might as well be from a different universe and just what they choose to share about mm -hmm. the authors you know a lot. A comic book <laughs> a lot. is like, you know, pen and paper, and it's in those cases just one person doing it all. So yeah. it's like there's not a lot to lose. But with this movie, I feel like it had that same kind of honesty and like oversharing and just earnestness. And 
I don't know, maybe because I was in that headspace, I was really reminded of uh, Jim Woodring's Frank. I mean, those are like completely psychedelic, wordless comics in an absolutely surrealist world. It's no no humans in it, really. And I think when I'm reading those comics, I'm not thinking at all about like, well, what's, you know, grounded, what like the physics of the world or what it's grounded in. It's just like, here's some crazy shit. Here's a horrible thing happening. There's a pig man. He's getting cut up with a knife and now he's running away. And now there's this weird <laughs> balloon shaped thing. I was completely watching the movie like in the same way that I would read one of those comics where it's just... It's not grounded in anything. Mm -hmm. So I saw everything in the movie as just kind of serving this, well, two ideas. One, that the world is just a cruel and inhospitable place towards meek people. <laughs> like if you're just mm. a small, useless person. And I, mean, I, lo I love that this movie gives like space to that. Just some people aren't, some people have had every opportunity to be successful, but they just aren't and there's no systematic oppression to blame there's no like overbearing circumstances there's just lost losers in this world <laughs> and i they're just people who have been damaged by their parents oh yeah of course of course and didn't have the tenacity to fight against it and i think the movie does a lot to um talk about how you know bo has not made a lot of choices in life or taking control of his environment and also kind of makes you sympathetic towards why, because they spent a lot of time on his uh, issues with his mom. Um, shout out to middle-aged men with mommy issues. I love being seen and represented in this film. Uh, we are a scorned bunch. <laughs> we don't get a lot of shine in this life, you know, but man, I, I, I love seeing uh, so much focus on that and like the repercussions of that. So on one hand, it's that, the world is just a harsh and inhospitable place. If you're just a weak, feeble person that just doesn't have a lot of gifts or talents or drive or anything, like you still exist and it's just a rough existence. And also while that is happening, the world is totally fucking insane. <laughs> you know, like it really is bonkers. It really is crazy. So it's, you know, it does seem like teenagers are running around just chugging bottles of pills and there's, lunatics just running around on the streets like it feels that way maybe not just because you're a little off or scared or oversensitive maybe it's just that fucking nuts because <laughs> both things can be true dylan you liked the 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 street level um the, the first hour yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i wasn't sure what i was getting into uh but once like once he started walking around his neighborhood and like you just see crazy shit, like a kid like looking up like a gun, him like having to start down the street to run to his house <laughs> while like just chaos is happening in the middle of his street, like it's normal. I don't know. I was like, wow. I talk about feeling being seen, right? I literally <laughs> see the world like that. Like I'm not even joking. Like I go outside and that's literally what I see. I, I really like that part. I kind of agree with Justine on the uh, the wood part, right? But I just have a different take. That's Dude, it. it's an A24 Films production of an A24 production presented by A24. You got to have the woods in it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's yeah. probably part of the deal. Yeah, no. My my only take is that, like, I think this movie's more about, because, again, talk about feeling seen. Right. I think it's about, like, that part, weirdly, is, like, the insecurity about having kids. And then, like, uh, what if you just lose them? Because, like, he's like, oh, I don't have, I grew up without a dad. And, like, you know, what if uh, I have kids? It's, like, the same way. 
to me that's how i read it but i i see why i did was dozing off though because like it was too relaxing yeah that uh, like, asmr narration especially like after all this chaos and shit you're kind of like tense and then soothing music and nothing's really happening it's just like nice bright colors bedtime story yeah exactly mm-hmm. and then i was like oh i'm passing out i was literally dozing off but i did like i watched everything because once the Jeeves shows up and starts blowing people up. Right. And I started crying like of laughter. <laughs> I was like, back in the movie, I was tense again. Right. My heart rate. My heart rate's up. Like, I was like, oh shit. Um, anyway, I don't know. I just like this stupid world. This right. fucked up world. Speaking of stupid and fucked up, we're, we're dancing around a big issue. There was some nut busting in this movie. And I'm wondering, Dylan. Yes. Do you think those were Joaquin Phoenix's real balls? I, I, I think he legit came inside a park. <laughs> no, oh no, no, no. And then she died. <laughs> and then she died. <laughs> That's, uh, this is like a central piece of the film. Again, he's could he's sort of been living in fear that as soon as he ejaculates in a woman, he's going to die because that's what happened to his dad because that's what his mom told him. Just, you know, a way to communicate how just completely uh, fucked his relationship is with his mom and how bad his mom messed him up, right? And then when he does come, he's he doesn't die, but the girl dies, and for no reason they don't. There you know. is no repercussions for this. No follow up. The end. That's a full statement of what happens. I thought it was like because it was a you know absurdist movie. I was like, oh, maybe that's like some kind of fembot, right? <laughs> you know, right. Just like the mom turned off, you know, to like to fuck with him. I mean, there's it's telling that you could like stop this movie at any point anything could happen like they did such a good job putting you at unease in the uh, film that like you can't grip to any kind of structure i think that's also part of what that uh forest scene is like here's the story of Bo in a comfy three-act structure that follows the hero's journey and all that as just a brief like 15 minutes in the movie but in reality, it's just so free-flowing and antagonistic towards any kind of structure to where, yeah, you, there's nothing that could have happened in that movie that would have surprised me, really. <laughs> and there are about five places where I was like, okay, it's ending here. That's fucked up. Oh, it's not ending here. Okay, it's going to keep going. <laughs> and it, I mean, the other elephant in the room, aside from Joaquin Phoenix's uh, big old nuts, is um, <laughs> the the runtime, right? Three hours long. I um, heard there was a cut before that that was, was almost four. four. Yeah. Oh fuck! I'm there for it. Bring it back in the theaters. I'm, I'm, I'll buy a. I will buy physical media for the first time in a while to get a four hour cut of this. I think you need to come. Going back to my point of there being a the the world is insane. B there are useless, hopeless people who are that. And that is it. They have no arc. Um, I think you really needed to show him in all these different situations, like. You see him in an urban setting, and it's hell for him. You see him in an, a suburban setting, which is somehow even more nightmarish. And that's what I love is that you just see like that somehow literal boomers, not the colloquial boomers, but actual boomers have been able to like make a success and structure out of this chaotic world. And then, yeah, you go to the city and you just see people, you know, what are their lives? They're dancing in the streets all day or they're, you know, there are like glimpses into uh, I guess what you called control group types, right? Like you see the shopkeeper who's just doing his job pretty straight, you know, amidst complete insanity on the streets. And you see Nathan Lane as a doctor and his wife as a uh, CEO person, you know? So like you see that you can have a life in this world 
but it's all nightmarish. And the wood people are kind of like the idea of bohemians or rural types. He's in the country. That's a nightmare. Goes back home to where he's from of utter affluence. That's a nightmare. Everywhere he goes mm-hmm. <laughs> is just a horror zone. And I think uh, the runtime, as bonkers as it sounds, is kind of necessary to show him in all these situations. And again, if you were writing a conventional movie or just wanted to have a satisfying story, you'd be like, and then he found the place he belonged and he was happy. <laughs> but it never happens. And I fucking love the movie for that. I guess I would be curious to know what was in that other cut content. Yeah. Did it tie that animated sequence together? Right. Or what did he care less about than that part? You know, that's why I think that that was just like his baby and he needed it to be in the movie. And so he didn't cut it because I think it could have been cut. Uh, I would like to know what he thought was less important. So that ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. The only part that I liked about that, that animated part, which again could have been at least shortened or something, um, was at the very end when he's like, oh, my boys, which took forever for him right. to be like, oh, my boys, it took like 10 minutes. But when he's like, oh, my sons, he says something about like how he would die. And right. they're like, well, then how did you have us? And, he's like, <laughs> uh, and then it ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that's the good part and of that part. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I, that's why I kind of like that it's just a pocket, you know, within him watching the play. You do get new information out of it, and new talk- information in the animated part. You yeah, he talks about how he he talks about the the nutting issue, his his terminal nut, <laughs> and like he that's where you learn his ideas yeah. that he has about um, if he comes, he dies. She says it like explicitly. Yeah, but that's show- a flash. That's a flashback to when he was a kid, and she's telling him that as yeah. a kid. And you see him briefly bring it up on the. Um, he tells the girl. Yeah, on the on the uh, cruise. Uh, the Parker Posey character as a young person. Yeah, and that ties in, and he has her her photo. The photo, in the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They've already teased the that. Desk yeah. And, um, but yeah, you, you get a little bit of new information. It's well, information you're already told. Mm. It's totally fantasy. He doesn't like. <laughs> get swept away by a flood or something and the information that you do have that you can apply to the real world is elsewhere that's all i'm saying is that it's like it's it's extraneous it does look nice it looks great i'm just saying it was a separate uh like that should have been bonus content i don't know maybe it's almost like uh a little bit of um stylistic flexing where it's just like look i showed you all this bonkers shit now you're in a cartoon and you're going to be fine with it and guess what later on there's going to be a giant penis monster and the guy who died 10 minutes ago, he's just going to be back. No reason or content. Just He'll die again. <laughs> yeah. He died. Uh, the, the, the PTSD Marine guy. He dies because he falls, he falls on his gun. He starts shooting oh, his yeah. chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. And, and then, then he comes back, which is the fu- yeah. fucking yeah. awesome. Also goal. in an attic, which is in the second floor, but he just breaks through the window. <laughs> yeah. And then his father, who's a giant dick monster. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe like that animated scene was like, I need people to get really comfortable with how weird this is going to be by the yeah. time. Maybe there's a ramping up that happens. Like. Yeah, for some reason, it really worked for me. I don't know. Justine, did you like the, th- the whole movie overall? or Yeah. You, didn't, you weren't as enamored as Colin? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think the first part was the strongest, where mm. there's the weird city that he's living in. Again, because it does such a good job of showing, not telling. And then I feel like it loses that uh, steam. Um, it 
is such a great uh, scene to set up the craziness of this world when he's like, what's going on? There's a guy they're making, they're, they're telling him to jump and then they yeah. have the phone on him. And then there's just the body of the man right. in the street and it's all decayed and gross. And it's like, Oh, nobody comes and picks up. Nobody cares about this. Right. Stuff. And then you see just everyone just running around. It's like, okay, got it. <laughs> you know? you yeah. Know that you're in this other reality and there's it's that awful. Witnesses uh, describe the suspect as uncircumcised. Yeah. yeah. Uncircumcised white male. Yeah. Again, it's like, sure. You might be a broken person person but also the news is fucked up yeah, like yeah. Right, it is right. <laughs> like you 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 should feel crazy if you're watching local news there's that's kind of a rational reaction to the circumstances around you yeah i was thinking about that uh world kind of like idiocracy right right where you have like a straight man character in there where he's kind of your your eyes on this right. crazy world but there's so much like background stuff that establishes this weirdness that is not like you don't have to shout it out or anything. It's just, you know, like the ticker or something on, on the news. It's right. Just weird stuff. And there's posters of weird things in the city and in people's room. And there's funny graffiti and stuff. You yeah. It, it does such a good job of, of showing you the absurdity and the terror of this place. <laughs> um, and then the part where he's like convalescing in uh, the, those people's house is like, all right, these are some weirdos. The stuff with the daughter, I kind of, this is where it started like losing, right? I don't know, losing the plot or something. Sure. I guess that that was like just another commentary on young people yeah, or yeah. something. I was kind of like, okay, can we move this along? <laughs> like yeah. uh, get him to the place he's trying to go. And maybe that's another reason that I was kind of put off by the by the wood the woodland time. Because it's like, can we get to something world building again? You lose me when you when you lose the world building, I think, is the case. Yeah, I do think that was, what do they call, they call it, sight gags when stuff is in the background? Mm -hmm. That's a good call out because there's just visually rich. Yeah, good job with that. <laughs> and then the last part with his mom was just kind of like wrapping things up. I can accept that. Although that kind of went a little long too, but Patty Lupone is kind of great. So <laughs> yeah. and, and her house is amazing. So I was okay spending some time there. Yeah, I don't know. Overall, I think it was I think it was good. I think it was very ambitious. Yeah. I think it did some things really well, but I also feel like it was also very late at night when we were watching right. this. And I kind of maybe in that situation especially was like you're kind of wasting my time. <laughs> I think did you, you, did you go into it knowing that it was 3 hours? Uh, because Colin said so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we did. saw this movie at 9:40 at night. Oh my so God. we got out at like 1 a.m., which is just psycho for any movie really yeah and i was trying to think of it like well wasn't avatar like three hours it was so i was all okay if i sat through avatar i could do this because yeah, you're so psyched up <laughs> well we also we'll watch two movies back to back yeah but there's like intermission and at Stretch least there's the legs, like a different yeah. like your brain is in a different sure, place it's sure. like a new world or something mm -hmm. And uh, it's especially hard when after that woodland part, you're at hour two. You're right. done with hour two. And I was you're panicking like, a little. There cannot <laughs> yeah. be another hour. <laughs> yes. There's the big, yeah, at the end when like Richard Kind is like, is the lawyer. I was like, I think he's taking it home. I don't <laughs> see where they're going to stick the landing, but I think he's taking it home. And sure enough, it's like, okay, there's yeah. credits all of a sudden. Great. Oh, that was another idiocracy moment where like the, yeah. the arena. Right. The arena and the Very judge. Truman. Yeah. yeah. That part for sure. When he mm. was riding the boat, I was like, "Oh, they're gonna, they're gonna reveal that it's all a under a dome issue. or something." Yeah. yeah, and also, well, his mom telling him, "I, you know, I rigged your whole life, basically." You know. Yeah, but again, that's something that's like I don't know if she really did that or if that's like it's like a power doing, move, <laughs> yeah, well, or if he's really just like you control everything, and I can't trust you know yeah. that you didn't have something to do with everybody I've ever met. 
Uh, Dylan, if I asked you to recall your favorite memorable moment that had nothing to do with the plot, like something that happened on the side of the screen or something that just happened that doesn't drive forward the narrative, uh, what's the first thing you think of? Other than the uh, the actual city that he lives in. Right. When uh, the, the Elaine starts showing him the dead body in the pool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and like, but, it's all hyped on it. But if you see it, uh, if you, I think from what I remember, they're trying to get him out like the workers. Yes. And at yes. some point, they just give up. Like they put <laughs> the thing on the ground. Like they, yeah, they just leave. It's my favorite part. Because it's like, yeah, just, this world's just fucking stupid. Colin, <laughs> what's yours? I don't know if this counts as background because it kind of is central to the movie in a sense. But like when due to a series of circumstances, he's running down the street naked and yeah. has to flag down the cop. <laughs> and it's like, oh. I mean, I know it's kind of like it's not the most subtle way of saying it, but it's sort of like, look, if it, like you see all these random crazy people and you think they're random crazy people. But it's like you might be a random crazy person, too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess, yeah, he doesn't need to be naked. He doesn't need to be like that. But it's like, you know, it's it, it, it raises an interesting point. I just like how in that scene, too, the cop's talking to a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, freaked out. And he actually <laughs> needs help, and the cop's just, like, about to shoot him. Yeah. And he's, like, doesn't know how to, like, not get shot by a cop. Yeah. <laughs> he is saved from getting shot by a cop by getting hit by a car. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Justine, uh, do, do, did you have a, a moment that, that, that sticks out for you? Like, the first thing that comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind is, like, uh, what stands out to me is not, an, it's, like, again, not, a, like, a peripheral thing, but it's when the girl is drinking the paint right that just that, that image and like the like the the idea of how that would seem in your mouth like trying oh, to drink yeah. that and then she's all gross and dead on the ground after that was that was a really cool part that i remember but the paint like all thick you oh know? yeah oh they do cpr on her to try to get yeah. oh and it's all over the mom's mouth yeah yeah, 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 yeah. um so for for me like the the kind of like esoteric side quest that stuck out to me was when they were um the mom was putting together a jigsaw puzzle of her oh, dead yeah. son. oh jesus that was so good their worship of their yeah. dead uh war Patriot, veteran. Yeah. yeah but what was funny is like at first i thought it was pat tillman you know like so right. i was like oh my god they got a puzzle of pat tillman but then they go into the room i realized oh it's their dead son yeah um yeah that, that, that was that was pretty trippy um craft wise apparently joaquin uh, in order to remember that his hand is bandaged in, in character and right. that he needs to act like it's bandaged, he put like a bunch of like uh, sharp implements on there so that if he actually touched his hand on anything, it would stab Jeez. his hand. And then for the wound in his side, he took like a bunch of um, paper clips okay. and you know, kind of unwound them and then taped them to his side so yeah, he'd yeah. have to walk. Kind of yeah, he's, uneven. He's, yeah, because if, if he walks normal, it would, it would go into his skin. So like, yeah, he was psychopathic about this <laughs> his his body language like the way he walked i mean i think he really i don't know I, I know i sound mean saying this but like again i see a lot of just lost souls in the world often um and like joaquin studied some of them because he did such a good job conveying even down to the clothes i mean just something that fit the character you know like er everything about him just completely served this uh this idea and to go back to the idea of like honesty in filmmaking or storytelling like the stuff about like the daughter being like, like young people bad uh big city scary these are really not cool ideas to like is this a boomer movie <laughs> i mean i think a lot of things that people do to communicate 
um, or a lot of things in communication that I see with people. It's really like if you could put the they live goggles on, you know, mm. you would see it's just people saying like, please think I'm cool. Please like me, you know, please <laughs> like me. Like a lot of like what you wear, what you drive, how you talk, like causes you champion. Like there's so much that people do like in the real world where it's like you're just a it's almost like you're just a collection of ideas to communicate that you're just an okay human being you know and so i really love to see a movie not really be transgressive in like a shock value way but just be like yeah i'm a fucking mess like i like the filmmaker are even like i am uncomfortable around young people they scare me <laughs> homeless people scare me this world scares me i have insane mommy issues and it's not necessarily like just because it's in the movie the guy feels it but i think if you were more uh, self-conscious or trying to portray like a cool filmmaker, you would not include stuff like being mean towards the younger generation or a lot of the depictions that are in there. But like, he's uh, just so open with that kind of stuff. And yeah, I really appreciated seeing that even um, if it might be to his own detriment. <laughs> <laughs> this this actually, I mean, you might have read about this, but this movie is his baby. Uh, this goes back to the beginning of yeah, his it's career. Yeah, like a short, right? Yeah, Bumbo. he did a short, and then he just sat on it for like 14 years, like trying to get it made. But he had to do all these other movies before he kind of got that trust of like, you know, this long form narrative that's completely absurd. And I have no relationship with his movies. I haven't seen any of them. Either of them? <laughs> no, either of the big two. I like Midsummer. I know a lot. That's like a kind of a polarizing opinion some people really hate it some people really love it hereditary i did not like at all um i don't know why i just i should have but i didn't and then uh i think he did like a 2019 horror movie that i haven't seen that's how they quote unquote tricked audiences into watching this right this is supposed to be like an anniversary showing of that and then they <laughs> which would be a weird anniversary right Three right years. right <laughs> yeah i saw hereditary but that's the only one i've seen and it was fine i mean mm-hmm it's not my favorite movie. <laughs> Some people say it is their absolute favorite movie, and that trips me out. I get really weirded out by that. It's weird, but okay. <laughs> I also feel like it was one of those ones that was like early on in horror movies are like artistic. They're smart, right? You know? <laughs> so I think it it, it really uh, took off on that. And I also think that's just part of the uh, that A24 vibe. Yeah. Right. Kind of started definitely there. led to this one being marketed as psychological horror comedy you know like it's just <laughs> yeah. like you didn't have to say horror <laughs> at all but uh as a person that watched both those movies like later like outside of the theater right like at a friend's house i guess hereditary i think is better but i don't care <laughs> but like um there's a short he did like 10 years ago called uh something strange with the johnsons it's like a 30 minute movie or a, yeah a short film kind of explains like how he looks at families and shit because uh it's a it's a it's a weird fucking short film and i'm not gonna explain it <laughs> but like uh, i showed i showed colin last night yes he did and, and uh, uh colin I, I, and i know up. why dylan's not explaining it yeah colin threw up is there, on a laptop yeah. <laughs> is there harmony corinne dna in these movies yeah there has to be yeah yeah definitely 
did you feel the Jokerman DNA? Like when you were talking about Joaquin Phoenix kind of embodying oh. the character. Oh. I was like, this, this feels pretty Jokery. Damn, that's pretty, that's good to Joaquin Phoenix because I did not think of him as being the Jokerman. I didn't either. That's funny. I did. Whoa. For yeah. sure did. And I was like, well, that, that kind of. your experience? No, I just okay. thought that as an actor, this probably was a good, found, that probably was a good foundation for him. Yeah. You know, yeah like, like an uh, outsider loser. Maybe and, dial this back a little. Yeah. And then kind of get more into the, uh, like the psychology behind it. Right. Um, instead of just being like a cartoon. He almost got to play, you can almost say he played the straight man in this because it's uh, other characters in the world around him that are going crazy. Yeah, or just being sensitive to people because I was thinking about the Nathan Lane character and it's like, he's not bad. Yeah. He just doesn't get that other people would be, you know, uh, inconvenienced by things. He's and on his track. He needs to stay yeah, on his track. It makes sense. Yeah. He's going to go save a life. You know, Fucking how could awesome. you be Absolutely. like, I need to go to a funeral? It's like, well, oh, I get it, but he's kind of doing you a favor. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, you have to wait. I think Ari described this movie as showing the audience what it's like to be a loser. That's well, the perspective he's coming yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess the Joker is a funny counterpoint because it's like, there is no great revenge or like turnaround yeah. or arc. No, there's just people in life who are just shot as people and they don't find love in the end. They don't have a nice little bow wrapped up in the end of their story. And it's just, they are, and they're valid and maybe be nicer to them because mm-hmm. they're going through something. And, you know, I guess it's hard not to see, a little bit of yourself in that. I see a lot of myself in that. That's probably why I'm very sympathetic towards it. And I don't know, in a weird way, maybe it makes people a little bit more compassionate, even though it's a very uncompassionate film. (laughs) In my opinion, I think it's the most difficult thing in the world to do, to be useful to others. Uh, But there are still people who are not useful (laughs) to others. Mm -hmm. And uh, something in them will take over, I think. And this is... It's rare to see a movie because it's so unpleasant to see. I mean, you kind of saw that in The Whale, right? This is not a person that can serve their world. It's not a person that can fit into this world. It's not a person that can be of use to their world. And you just have to accept that. (laughs) And like, uh, just, you know, not hold it against them, I guess. That's well put, man. Yeah. (laughs) I like when they throw his uh, lawyer... Off of the, <laughs> yeah, off yeah that's, a, that's another uh, re thing, <laughs> just like impalings from like falling. <laughs> yes, and beheadings, I guess too. Absolutely. Oh, and it's so good with everyone just exiting the arena yeah. silently. <laughs> oh, I didn't get oh to experience. God. I was the only one, so I didn't get to see anybody, any everybody's reaction. No, no, no I mean no, like in the, in in the, the oh in the credits. Well, I thought you were talking about the movie theater. <laughs> no, no, no. There was no real uh, crowd. Yeah, Inter- like uh, interaction. Yeah, I think box office was like two point seven mil, so it's probably spread out all over the country. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. My theater experience was there was a guy that just kept leaving. <laughs> Love that his group would not follow him to walk out of this. <laughs> Come on, on this suck. It's like I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, it's kind of fucking crazy. He lived in a fucking super jail world. He lived in an adult <laughs> swim cartoon. I think we've. I this might be the longest we've ever talked about. Oh my a movie. god. Yeah. And that's kind wow. of. Fitting, I guess. Um, so, uh, Bo's afraid. Are we going to hide under the covers or are we going to go out into the horrifying world? Um, I'll say I'll uh, I'll go face the world. I, again, I have a couple like upper echelon movies I've seen so far. I'm not going to try to paint this year as all uh, a bummer. But, man, I don't think I have felt like a spark of joy 
uh, watching anything like I've I've felt watching this movie this year at mm-hmm. least. So uh, yeah, I, I uh, enthusiastically recommend this film. I say go outside. Uh, yeah, watch this movie. I'm not as uh, enamored with it, but it is well done. Like I said, ambitious, and you can tell a lot of care was put into it. And there's the acting is really good. It's absurd, of course, so don't expect, you know, I don't know what, but uh, everyone plays their roles really well. I like Parker Posey. She was in the remake of uh, Lost in Space on okay. Netflix. <laughs> That's where I was like, when I first saw her, I was like, where do I know her from? Oh, Lost in Space. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's good. I like it. It looks good. It is long. So I guess if you watch it in the theater, be prepared. <laughs> I'm going to fake my own death and then build a plaque that commemorates where my head was crushed in by a chandelier and leave the wood busted up. Um, yeah, it, this, is, this is a tricky one. I, I can't give it a perfect score, but I can ob- say that I feel it's objectively a feat in, in filmmaking. Um, I had the same uh, or rather similar uh, feeling in my body and in my brain afterward as I did last year when I saw uh, everything everywhere all at once. I think this might have a similar arc over the course of the next 12 months or so, uh, or I guess it'd be like 10 months, um, where you're not going to hear a lot right now, but as it hits streaming, everybody's going to say, whoa, did you see this Bo is Afraid movie? It's, it's pretty wild. And I think come award season, you're going to see a lot of uh, trophies handed out to this one. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch what happens within the next 10 months with this movie. Dylan? Uh, I think this is this year's whale. Um, no. Uh, you, got a whale, you got a whale of a good time? This is the whale of 2023. Whale meets Joker? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, um, I, I did like this I, movie. Hold on. I do want to see a movie with a big fat Joker in it, but that's all. Dude, Go on. Honestly, representation. Hell yeah. I would be represented. Batman! <laughs> would his minions also be big? Uh, They're just juggalos. Okay, yeah. Oh, just regular juggalos. Fair enough. <laughs> I guess that is a movie then. Right. There's like three of those movies. Oh yeah, Big Money Rustlers, etc. Yeah, Big Money Hustlers, Rustlers. But Batman's not in it. Yeah. No, no Batman. <laughs> no threat. I, guess, of I need the Joker in the Batman world, and right. he's a juggalo. <laughs> Would be cool. Uh, I do like this film. Uh, I recommend. I guess I'm in this. I'm wild in the streets. I'm. I don't know. I'm running away from the bald, tatted man. <laughs> Uh, try to get by it a little faster of a clip on these next two. Uh, Evil Dead Rise, newest entry into the Evil Dead franchise, written and directed by Lee Cronin. Couldn't find much else that he's done, a lot of TV stuff or smaller movies. Uh, it's Evil Dead in a high-rise apartment. Some kids unearth a demon, and it starts going through. And It's, it's in, in their mom. Yeah. You've seen it in a cabin? Now it's in a city. You saw it in a cabin, but you also saw it, saw it in medieval times. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so, fucking stupid. Yeah, <laughs> what's, what's everyone's relationship with Evil Dead, like the franchise, if you will? I have seen at least half of the first or second one. They're a little interchangeable. They're not if you know them, but like it's easy to confuse one with the other in terms of like what happens in which film. Mm-hmm. Two is kind of an uh, yassified version of one, a little <laughs> bit upscaled, mm-hmm. um, but. Still basically the same premise with the same actors doing the same thing. Yeah, so, so I don't know which one I have right. seen or not. And then again, probably half of whatever the medieval one is. Yeah. I only recently read that there's like a bunch of different books. 
or like a few different books. Oh, the books of the dead. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I could just do this forever and just keep saying there's another book right. or something. But um, yeah, I'm not like a fan. So do you have a, you didn't of what you've seen of the '80s movies? You don't have a, a any in, uh, feelings on them? Not really. It's just I, whatever. Huh? Yeah, I kind of. Uh, I guess that comedy doesn't sure. really work for me. Camp. Yeah. Yeah. All there right. we go too campy okay brent where you where you, where you what's your what's your history with the evil dead well uh early 2000s i was in a horror themed grind band okay and um the guitar player was absolutely obsessed with evil dead movies right right and I had not seen them at that point, and I thought it'd be hilarious if I never watched them because, like, you know, he was just constantly talking about right, them right. out of context. We'd be like at, you know, like a rest stop, be like, "Hey, what do you want to eat?" So, anyways, then Ash would go in, and, and <laughs> right, like, right, okay, but what do you want to eat? <laughs> so you're you're o for five on. Well, no, I mean, I've I've seen portions of them because right. like, when you're in a horror themed grind band, everywhere you stay with yeah. other people, they're like, hey, "You want to watch Evil Dead?" Yeah, and they yeah, put yeah. it on. It's like it's kind of like there's, there's movies that you see in chunks over the years. Yeah, yeah, I think I've probably seen the first two like in their entirety, just not in proper order. Heavy metal, Dylan. Yes. Thrashing Dylan. Yeah. What's your what's death your... metal, Dylan? Ooh. Are you death metal now? Death Dylan. Dead no by way. Dawn, Dylan. Deathlin. Uh, what's my relationship? Yeah. What's your history with them? What have you seen so far? We're in the latest oh, installment. I've seen everything but the the Ash versus Evil Dead show. Okay. You know, I grew up just buying those stupid DVDs. Right. Just watching it. Like I had the Book of the Dead DVD. I don't yeah, know where yeah. it's at. It's probably rotting. <laughs> but like, oh, uh, that rubbery yeah, cover. Yeah. yeah. And I just would watch it, and I was like, yeah, this is cool because I was just like going to the fucking thrash shows over here, and then like. Going home, putting it on, thinking it's yeah. funny. Uh, but I don't know. I like those movies. Yeah, I love. I loved those. The Evil Dead Two, especially. But yeah. the first two Evil Deads, I was like obsessed with growing up. I was to the point where like Army of Darkness. I'd be like, no, that's a sellout. Like I won't mess <laughs> that's with the that. silly one. Yeah, bullshit. I want to yeah. see the real. I heard stuff. that opinion a lot. In, yeah. in those years, I've yeah. matured since then and could totally appreciate it. I I love it, but it is definitely like different. Um, but I don't know. I. I I I uh yeah really like those movies and sp- specifically like Sam Raimi's approach to it like the level of auteurship because they have like grown with me like I get older and I appreciate different things mm-hmm. about them and like everything that I appreciate about them has made me not ever want to care about <laughs> the remake or Ash versus Evil Dead like I you know I want Bruce Campbell to just do great in life you know just seems like such a swell person and has been uh, entertaining me for a long time. So like I want him to have a vehicle to uh, fulfill himself with, but uh, yeah, it's not, I, I just kind of don't care about it as a franchise, if that makes sense. Mm. And the newer movies, they don't keep the same tone, right? Like this one is very outside of, yeah, outside of that tone. So I think the things that people really like and expect from those movies is totally thrown out the window like yeah. i know the movies well enough this in the same way that i know scream and though even though i've not watched them like, right they're just baked into the culture yeah you know? so like there's a chainsaw you know? sure there's chainsaw that hand. weird gopro uh, gopro scene yeah uh, everything coming at you fps uh, where style. it's like in it's like on her face like yeah yeah moving around you get to have those things but it doesn't have that fun quality to it I mean, I guess when I think about now, yeah, if you give a sixth grader Evil Dead, like, it's over for him. Like, that's a, <laughs> a sixth grade boy, especially. Like, 
middle scale school boys are like those movies are built for them because it's and I don't know maybe a newer generation that's like raised around internet with free access like who the hell knows what they've seen you know but when you're young you see like it's everything you want it's just pure it it's a little bit Saturday morning cartoon it's a little bit Disney it's a lot of it just shock and it's not they're not the goriest movies or like the most like mean-spirited movies I kind of feel like that's why uh, you would like them a little more, Justine, because mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, the last girl in this movie and the shower scene and the uh, the dismemberment scene. And the you know, I feel like the 14th <laughs> movie, uh, they actually went in a good direction. They brought back a lot of the practical effects of the... De- it's just like a guy who doesn't really have a, a big budget to make a movie <laughs> with in the woods just being like, what's the weirdest shit I could do on a shoestring budget? What you know are- what? I like... Um, I would like the medieval one way better. Yeah, and that's him with some budget and like I some think it's with Hollywood. Sillier, like it a, is, and so I like that one better. I love I love that one now. Again, when I'm like you know we have weird puberty energy, it's hard to be like, <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <laughs> it's just but you know you want to see people getting abused by trees and all the stop motion and stuff in those movies yeah, like. Cool. That's the stuff I love. Just this nature of like auteurship and just like, what can I put together? How can I have a voice in cinema? And of course, seeing what Sam Raimi has gone on to do is amazing. The fact that he has dragged me to hell to his name after the fact, which I feel like that's just him showing like, hey, I could still make these movies (laughs) if I want. Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. The rocks being the Spider-Man trilogy. I'm still... Sam Raimi from the block, the block being the yeah. stop. I'll show a girl uh, get woods. barfed on. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So it's like um, I don't know. I I I love Sam Raimi and taking him out of the equation. I just don't, haven't cared about any of that stuff and even just retrofitting it to a TV show. I know people love these things and there's like you know people there for it, but this is all to kind of say that I don't think I am that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I love the originals and I don't know everything that I loved about the original movies is not present in this film, yeah. which I guess we should start talking about this film now, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> We're just, let's make it short. Let's talk about the original <laughs> Sam Raimi <laughs> Dead movies. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This just seems very much like any old people being possessed by any old demons, and they just put like, like in Fortnite, when you can just make yourself be a Thanos or like a, uh, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's character, like it just has like a skin of an evil dead on it, like yeah. certain catchphrases. Um, I guess there's some attention to practical effects, which is oh yeah, you would call a staple of the original, but I wouldn't call them particularly like endearing. Um, it's all dark. Didn't move the dial much. I really try to just look at it objectively. It's like, hey, it's just a horror movie. You need horror movies, and it's super effective, right? And I'll I'll, I'll start with praise and say like, what really worked for me about the movie is like how well they conveyed like the death scenes to people. Like anything involving bodily harm or like, you know, skin being torn at or hair being pulled, like the way it's shot is like, ah, it gives you the heebie-jeebies. Cheese grater. Yes. Yeah. Whole audience. The tattoo needle. Ah. Ah, pissing me off. You saw, it, you, you saw it with people, Dylan? Yeah. Was like there... people with my friends or people in the theater? Both. Uh, yeah. And was, did that stuff like shock? Um, I, I think it led to pe- a couple to leave. Because they left oh. like in the center of the movie. I can That's see that. that. Yeah, it was pretty extreme. So I was like, I think it happened when the daughter first gets possessed. Like after she eats the glass, oh. they left. Like they yep. both just ran out. Like fuck this, I'm out. Wow. I was like, damn, they got grossed out by that. They never watched an Evil Dead movie or what? That's crazy. <laughs> uh, we had a couple that walked out too. Really? Yeah. Oh. 
Uh, I will say, like, my friends reacted to shit like that, but they, you know, they, they're not leaving because they're fans of horror. Right. And everyone else, like, there's a guy behind me, solo man, like, in his 50s. And I was like, I, I don't mind. I don't really care. He's, like, right behind me. But, like, shit like that. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> Dark. And I was like, man, this guy's cool. Yeah. By himself, middle of the day on a Saturday, oh my like God. two o'clock. Was it was it crowded for you? Uh yeah, it was a little crowded. Yeah. Um I think the other issue I have is kind of with like performances, because uh Bruce Campbell just was yeah. like such a huge uh part of what makes those uh the the first three work mm-hmm. and like again i just want to look at this movie is like look you need to have the evil dead fortnite skin to get in the theaters right you need to have the fans to go see it and there just needs to be movies that are like visceral and gross out and gnarly for people to see and this is that and there's like hard-working people behind it don't take your childhood memories and shit on everything they're doing just because you know it doesn't match up with like your memories of coming home and watching tv at night you know whatever i don't know um i truly try to be fair to it uh but it's hard to think of why it's called an evil dead movie when there's not like a real there's no ash you know there's no big i don't know i felt felt like all the performances were kind of interchangeable and sort of yeah you you know know. what's messed up is i keep forgetting that there was the girl who i assume is the protagonist the ash in the movie right forget about her every time yes the like when i think about this movie i'm like oh yeah the possessed mom and the daughter with the short hair and then i forget about like i forget about the main girl entirely she's forgettable which is too bad yeah especially in a franchise where i i don't know i'm kind of i'm i i'm not mad at this movie it's fine i'd be lying if i said i loved it or liked it very much. Yeah, I think I think uh, it sums it up a bit. by when we walked out, first thing I said to you was, "Man, great sound design." Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. good. Like a lot of behind you sounds. Right, right, true. I was just, I think I was just mainly just happy that there was a movie that had decent uh, phonograph representation. Right, right. And they acknowledged the speed issue of something that would have been recorded in the 30s. It would have been cut at like 78. Yeah. So naturally you got to put your finger on it and speed it up, which they did. There's a little warble at first, which was nice. And then they just got rid of it. Then they just, like, <laughs> yeah, for the sake too of much. communication. This like, oh, this, is due, this movie's due next week? Shit. All right. <laughs> <run> <laughs> um, after having seen The Pope's Exorcist, yeah. I also was thinking this doesn't have to be an Evil Dead movie because they show like a like a tomb or something yeah. like a vault that's cracked open and the tomb that's cracked. There's a hole, and that's why he's able to reach inside and take the, yeah. the book. All they would have had to show was that the tomb was cracked, like in Pope's Exorcist, and it's like, well, the thing got out, and now it's possessing the mm-hmm. people in the building. You didn't need to have a book, right? <laughs> yeah, we really did just watch two movies. That had yeah, the same yeah, thing. and that's okay. what I thought was happening because I wasn't yeah. thinking of it like an Evil Dead movie because I don't have that relationship yeah. with it. Yeah. I was just like, and because I haven't seen the the, the stuff in between, uh-huh. I was like, who well, who knows what it's like now? So I was like, okay, there's a spirit, and they caught it, and now it's got out because it got cracked because there was an earthquake. Sure, you know that would have been fine. But yeah, this doesn't have to be this movie. I can see that they got a lot more money to to do all this stuff oh, because of that, and so I think that was good for them. But um, you know, ultimately, the story wasn't polished as the effects yeah. were. <laughs> and just to go back to Pope's Exorcist, because that's just the last horror movie I saw in the theater. Like Russell Crowe delivered a performance. That yeah. kid that got possessed by the demon 
delivered a performance like there was standouts yeah for sure or just a little bit of character you Mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. i think this one didn't really have even that and pope's exorcist is not like i mean i i liked that movie i would even say quite a bit but it's not like a upper echelon (laughs) top notch like oh man this rewrote the books of horror you know (laughs) and it's still a to me it's a it's if you have to choose between that and this new evil dead movie i would choose that Unless you're just in it for like gross out stuff, yeah, I guess. Is Evil Dead more gross out? Yeah, but in terms of like fluids and you know, yeah, there's it's like like there's violence and there's gross stuff in this, which there's not in Pope's Exorcist. There's some stuff, but it's not to this effect. Yeah, there's like blood. (laughs) Are you as um, middle of the road as we are on this one, Dylan? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, I don't know. Like, I yeah, I, I agree with you to a. A really high extent with the uh, Evil Dead is Ash. Because I remember liking the 2013, but again, it's more like a cabin in the woods. Right. And then it's like they're just re- rehashing scenes from the first. But it's not like a reboot because I think it takes place in 2013, if I remember correctly. Um, and there was a lot of blood. This one, I don't know. When I watch these type of movies, I, I, I want like, and they gave it to me, like the pain, right, the blood violence right not to swing it back to Bo is afraid but i got that from Bo is afraid and i watched Bo is afraid like right after right <laughs> like, okay. i was like oh yeah like the first hour is like oh crazy shit but i think as i mature i just wanted to be set in real life situations right but evil dead i don't know like i like the title screen a lot that was badass <laughs> yeah, right? dude sure oh yeah, that was it i mean i'm not saying that that's the, the fucking highlight of the no, film no that <laughs> shit rocked i thought the movie was gonna be awesome after that i was like they're doing this for the title screen let's go and i knew it was gonna be in a fucking like a haunted mansion or the tower of terror <laughs> but like yeah. uh you know it's um benefits more from being evil dead obviously yeah financially or for pragmatic purposes yes but, but in terms of art yeah, purposes? You could, you could legit call it Tower of Terror. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck, this is scary. Um, Damn, good point. I have a question for you, though. Oh, for me? Yes. For me? And I never ask. I know. I, I love to hear this. I'm so excited right now. How much do you think those LPs cost on Discogs? The uh, those LPs that he the, plays. The, the preacher uh, asks. Yeah, the Book of the those Dead. Wouldn't be, you wouldn't, so to, uh, to put an entry on Discogs, you need to have the record. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Take a photograph of the uh-huh. record, which uh-huh. that kid didn't do. They've been locked in a basement since a little bit before Discogs existed. Yeah. So they wouldn't have had the opportunity to make the entry. So they, yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a one of a kind acetate. It wouldn't uh, but work. You, but if, let's say the kid never plays it, he just posts on Discogs. Rare. So he he'd have to make the entry, and then he would have to get the following. So you would have to, you would go eBay for that route. Bottom line, yeah, yeah and you'd sell it to Rollins. And do you, and because you're a dipshit fucking kid, you wouldn't know how to pack the thing right because acetates are way more fragile than regular LPs. Yep. So you'd put it in the same mailer that you used that to receive that Stone's Throw record that was on the turntable at one point. <laughs> Shout out to Stone's Throw, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you would send it to him normally, and it would crack on the way because you send it fucking media mail too to yeah. save money but on then, the. Would you think you would send it out with the Book of the Dead? No, <laughs> that's a different. It's not a box set, Dylan. Yeah, yeah I know, but you think he'd be like, comes with book? Nah. He you never gotta... opened the book. He just wanted money purely. Because he did say, like, it looks like probably worth some money. money. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's I feel like he, he would it. take the book to, like, a Gremlins like uh, shop, and then, yeah, you, you put the acetate on Discogs because you're just dumb about it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. How much do you think, though? Like 20 bucks. <laughs> that was cool. 
Evil Dead Rise. Are we opening the book of the Necronomicon that we're not calling the Necronomicon anymore? I assume to distance ourselves from H.P. Lovecraft and his problematic views. Uh, are we uh, saying Klaatu Barada Nikto to summon the demons? Or Jesus. are we uh, just going to live it be and maybe sell it on uh, Discogs? Um, I'm going to say uh, uh, it's fine. You can you can watch this movie. I'm not mad at it. It's just you, you got to be a real lover of horror. And I don't know, really need more of the franchise, I guess. It's fine. It's a fine movie. Um. I probably open a lot of these books and then just kind of flip the pages a little bit. Yeah. And then I'm like, did I read that? I don't remember. That's kind of this movie. I mean, there's maybe parts where you remember, like the cheese grater. Disassociating it from uh, Evil Dead, I think, would have been totally fine. There's like these horror movies come out like once a month now. Right. And they're well attended. I don't think they needed to have the name. Um, I think because they had it, they had to throw in those uh, callbacks. And so maybe people that like the movies would appreciate that. But I also feel, again, like the tone is so off that it probably doesn't appeal to those people as much. So I don't know. It's it's probably evening out that it has the Evil Dead name. It is a possession movie. You do get the contorted body and right. the crawling on the ceiling. Check. <laughs> I have to get in the, this point that i'm not sure if it's a stupid point or if it's kind of like the the cornerstone of my whole argument or just embodies like my whole issue with the unnecessary franchisation of the series at one point the demon's like dead by dawn you'll be dead by dawn because they said that in the first movie but in the first movie ash has to survive until the sun comes up and he essentially defeats the demons by waiting until dawn they're like you'll be dead before the sun rises and he says no i'm gonna survive until the sun rises and i'll be saved because the sun will rise and that's how this whole thing works this time they say dead by dawn you'll be dead by dawn because they said that in the other movie the dawn <laughs> plays no role in defeating the demons why are they saying yeah, the sun pop, doesn't pop matter the fans, that's it. again it, and that's kind of everything i'm saying here it's like instead of the callbacks having relevance to anything it's just saying it because it was said in the other movie i'm really surprised we didn't see a chainsaw arm and her say groovy at some points it's uh, uh brent <laughs> uh i'm gonna go three stars for the movie and then five stars for the mental image of baby dylan running around the house with a rubberized book of the dead getting stoked <laughs> I wasn't a baby i was like in the seventh Little grade again what i tell you middle school is a perfect time <laughs> yeah, to get hit by these fucking movies yeah um <laughs> Klaatu, Brata. <coughs> oh, you said it right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I do like that lady's face. I'll say that. The demon lady. Like, oh, the yeah. way she looked. Not like yeah. the fucking... I'm not like, she's so fucking beautiful. <laughs> I'm saying, like, I like the way she looked. And Brody? I'm not saying she's ugly either. I'm yeah, sorry. No, she is a very good-looking woman. I'm sorry. Uh, she is a good-looking woman. But I do like her look in the film. Right. I can't say I can't really sit here and say none of them did a bad job. But I did like the teen guy for some reason and the, <laughs> and the girl. Anyway, watch it. Um, it's really fun. It's a fun haunted house um, movie. <laughs> and like you know, like Colin's favorite part of the film is when they're like quoting stuff like "Dead by Dawn, Dead by Dawn." He was so stoked. It was yeah, crazy. I yeah. was there. Colin was stoked. Tears. Yeah. Tears. Hands yes. up. Stoked. Head banging. Chevalier is a <laughs> biopic of Justine Joseph Cologne. Cologne, oh. sorry. The Chevalier. Uh, this is a, a biography of a gentleman who lived around the time of the French Revolution. He was sort of a um, 
prodigy uh who was just like amazing at fencing which kind of got him the important part i guess uh <laughs> is that or like the kind of reason that um this makes it so crazy is he was uh his, his dad owned a plantation his mom was a slave on the plantation uh so he's you know a black person in the 1700s in france who is just climbing the echelons of the aristocracy through his abilities as a fencer and then as a composer and um he just was this kind of uh renaissance man who good at everything <laughs> yeah and um i had never heard of him before this movie and i think that's why this movie exists mm. i i kind of got the feeling of like in tone and in terms of like what it accomplishes kind of like a movie they would play in class in high school the, here's a story about a person who existed who you know of course because of his race got kind of written out of history you know hence you know you didn't really learn about him in in your history classes and whatnot and um i would say high school specifically because i'd say this has somewhat of a ya tone yeah a little like you have swashbuckling stuff for boys and you have like romance stuff for girls you know just to keep in real simple like high school uh things i could see you putting this movie on and engaging a classroom mm -hmm. and also teaching them stuff you know and teaching them about a a figure in history uh, i think based on the uh trailer i was expecting a lot more violin battles yeah. they give you some violin there's definitely battles, violin battling more violin battles than you'll see in evil dead and mm -hmm. bo is afraid <laughs> mm -hmm. and a lot of movies in the theater right now i dare say any movie in the theater right now there's more violin battles but it's a much smaller part of the movie than, than you expected. <laughs> right. You, Justine, this is, why were you so excited about this movie? I just like historical f people and uh, French stuff and revolution era stuff and composers and uh, that people called him like Black Mozart, but that that's kind of derivative of right. like how much stuff he was good at. And how like hard it would have been for someone of to do all that stuff. So like how amazing must he have been? Unsung hero stuff. I like that. So I was excited about it. And I like this uh, weird Amadeus core yeah. <laughs> stuff that's coming up. <laughs> I'm way into it. I was, I've been looking forward to this movie for a long time. And I was mad when it was delayed. Right. And so it's finally out. But how did you feel when you saw it? I felt fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, actually, I had no real problem with it. I am always kind of a like a grouch about like too much time spent on romance stuff, right? Be especially because he did so much cool stuff um, that they kind of I feel like wasted time um, with that. But I also get that it's you know a movie that's supposed to appeal to like uh, a lot of people, and that I think also if you're setting a movie in this time period, you have to you have to lean into that. Right. You can't have this ladies running around and super Giant pretty dresses, dresses and stuff and, not and talk about it yeah <laughs> exactly so i get it uh so at least it was made but I, I did feel a little bit like i wish they had told more of the interesting parts of the story i liked the movie i think because it's just so functional like it does convey this idea i mean i, I always looked up the guy's wikipedia mm -hmm. kind of like fact check the movie like i had have a gotcha moment. It was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, wait, no, he, he saw that lady. And then that guy was mad at him. And it's so crazy too. like reading. I mean, this is whatever. Can't get more amateur historian than, you know, like uh, my interest in history, which is basically nothing. I don't, I don't, I don't usually look into this stuff, but it's like, cause in the movie, like fights some guys on the streets, you know, cause he like has an affair with this lady who's married to, yeah, a guy in the French military. Guy, yeah. 
and um, he gets attacked in the street. And the only reason we know about it is because some other guy was writing about it. Like, oh, this crazy thing happened to that mulatto uh, composer. <laughs> You're not going to believe this. Like, <laughs> Did you hear about this? <laughs> so, uh, again, it's kind of a forgotten history. So it's pieced together through all these crazy things. So, A, got me looking at the Wikipedia. And I think the um, I, I'm, out, I'm interested in what kind of makes something feel like cinematic you know mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the attention to like the backgrounds and the costumes grounded me in the time pretty well so didn't feel like a made for tv movie or anything it felt like a movie oddly enough for being a movie and you know i think what pushed it over into like like really made me be like okay this isn't just them talking about a figure it's not planned i think they were really got into the idea of black excellence as a myth yeah. and that's there's a lot of discourse around that right now. And they use the word excellent specifically, like a lot in the movie. They're like, you're an, an excellent Frenchman can never be put down. So it's sort of, I, all I could think about is uh, that, that, that Jay-Z song story of OJ, you know, is based around the, the, the OJ quote, I'm not black, I'm OJ, mm. you know, which is sort of like <laughs> yeah. the entry point to um, that myth of black excellence that, Oh, if you're good enough, you're not going to be one of these yeah. people. So I kind of felt like that was the, trojan horse like the historical fiction and the romance and the fights that's what we're using to get this in but underneath that there will be some idea of like intersectionality of race and class and where you belong and where you think you belong and all of the ways that they made it light like i thought one of the funniest things is mom who's a slave speaks creole she comes back into the house and uh she's speaking creole with the servants he's like oh we speak french here yeah. <laughs> but he's saying it in english and it's like that's just you know they know that they're making something palatable and for sure like if you were to try to make a more adult mature movie it would be three hours long it would be emily it would be in french with subtitles you know and it would be more immersive and maybe i would like it more or it would speak more to me but i don't think it would effectively get people to do what I did, which is look up the Wikipedia entry yeah. and the crazy Wikipedia can't recommend the Wikipedia <laughs> entry on this guy enough. Um, and also I think having that simple uh, stylistic choices was able to talk about this bigger issue, uh, which is obviously still super relevant today and without it coming off as preachy or obvious or mm. anything like that. It, so I don't know. It just, I think from a um, craft level, checked a lot of boxes. So yeah, if I'm in high school watching this on the roll, the TV that they roll in, which I'm picturing still exists, <laughs> I'll, I'll mean, I'm still going to doodle some like metal band logos on my notebook and everything, right. but I'll watch it secretly. I won't admit that I like it, but I'll watch <laughs> it. I'm hoping that making it palatable enough would have people um, open to watching it. And uh, that they wouldn't be too put off by like, oh, it's just a race thing, you know, because right. it does tackle like the issue of black excellence. But it also should just show people like you can be the best. But as soon as it's inconvenient for somebody, mm. they will pick whatever is like the thing that they see as making you most other than them. And they'll use it against you. Right. Like, you could be like super rich or something, but then your peers, once they don't like you, are like, oh, you don't have a, a legacy family name or something yeah. stupid, you know, like any little thing. And so I think that that's an, um, a takeaway that everybody could take from this. But obviously the the big issue here is with uh, his race and at that time, which is, again, super crazy. I don't mean to make this a, the, the Justine and Colin show, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what really something else I noticed really liking about it is that. You know, if you were to write this guy as this like ultra 
cool, like perfect figure. Like as soon as he got money, he would be trying to free the slaves and bring everyone up and end these uh, systems, you know, but since he's benefiting from it, he's kind of a shitty character. Like he's not this perfect person that you would want through modern lenses to see him as. Yeah. He's not like a, like a, like you're writing a hero. Yeah. He legitimately, you know, was in that world. He was an excellent Frenchman. <laughs> you right. know, He had no reason other than his race to believe that they would not accept him for the amazing things that he was able to do. So, you know, when people were like turning their backs on him, it was like, how could they do that <laughs> you right. know, to, for him? And when people are still telling you, oh, you're so awesome, you're so great, why would you think anything but that? Yeah. You know. So, yeah, he wasn't involved in, in, he didn't really know about this like subculture of, right. uh, you know, these freed slaves or whatever, because that wasn't his world. Yeah. He just was what he was until they decided he wasn't. <laughs> I like that they could show him as kind of a not, Someone who's just likable on every level. Yeah. A Mary Sue, if you will. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Chevalier is no Mary Sue. You heard <laughs> it here first. It's like he's an actual man. <laughs> yeah, it's like he had a life. I was living in these really oppressive systems, and yeah, I wasn't particularly in- interested in ending him because he was doing okay. Yeah. I'll say it. Malone's a fucking clown. Um, if you like the energy of Kanye West in 2022, or if you like Samuel L. Jackson and Django Unchained, Nothing likable about this guy in any capacity. The only way he gets in touch with like his black heritage is when he's rejected by white society because he craves the approval of white society so deep and so desperately. I think it's a, I think he is a shitty character as, as a human being. Obviously talented, but I think this movie did a good job portraying a person that has nowhere else to turn, and only then does he turn to his roots. Nowhere else to turn in what. In what way? Because he, he was he like he thought he was part of like this this certain class. He sought approval of white people like Kanye in twenty twenty two, and when they didn't give it to him, only then was he like, "Oh look, I can go in the streets well, and play drums." Like I was saying, it's not he's not seeking approval of white people. This is his world. He grew up there, and, and so, it wasn't white people. It was like the aristocracy, class. Which is you like, could replace white with class. Yeah, you know what but, I mean? like, so yeah. he was in that class. He was living in a palace, you know, mm-hmm. like. And again, like like I was saying, he didn't have a connection to that community because he had no connection to that community. It wasn't you know, where at he no grew point up. did he seek the connection no, to that community. No, because he was busy playing music and uh, uh, being the uh, the head composer at like right. a royal yeah, palace. I don't know. I, don't I got know. a more militant take on that. I don't think it's the same to like. I don't think you can apply seeking approval when like you're literally handed down a title from Marie Antoinette. That's a little different <laughs> no, kept, than like... No, he kept chasing clout. He kept... Cha- like, look at how he introduced himself to people. Fucking clout chaser. Yeah, well... Star fucker. But it's a different society, and I think that's kind of part of the movie's goal is to show, like, A, not, how not much has changed, and B, just mm-hmm. how rigid that society was and how just unheard of uh, his accomplishments were to get into it. So... It's not like he was scratching at the door. They were like, oh, please come in. But it's also like to other people who have been welcome in, you know, I guess more appropriate would be maybe like a get out or something where it's like, yeah, you can get welcomed in, but you're still in this hierarchy. I think like the message of the film, of course, is like that those hierarchies should be dismantled. And that's another craft thing they do really well is like, you, all, I mean, I'm not like a history guy or anything, but you know, French Revolution, guillotines, let yeah. them eat cake, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just pop culture kind of history. And it's like, you see 
lower class is upset a little bit in the beginning of the film and it rises and rises and by the end it's like it's you on see the mob yeah yeah, yeah that's what the, that's something they left out of the movie that is kind of i don't know about funny but like um he did like go to jail <laughs> yeah because he was one of the i mean in that sphere of influence of like the royalty and the court and stuff so yeah. but it, this was like he had already kind of been you know shunned but it became like, oh, he deserves this position, but some people don't like it. So I guess we can't give it to him. And that's when he's like, all right. It's, so it doesn't matter if you're great at everything. They're still going to yeah, treat you bad. Yeah, there's a glass ceiling in place. Yeah. You think he had the opportunity to work with the queen when she came to his quarters before as he was about to unveil his uh, revolutionary piece? Well, it was too late at that point. He was like, well, if you guys, if this really has nothing to do with merit, that kind of system can't last. So by that time, I don't think he would have bothered trying to say that he wasn't yeah. going to do it. It was like, you don't respect people, <laughs> you know? Like there's a part of me that would hope that he would try to appeal to her. Well, to make, it wouldn't like, matter much. She got her head chopped off. Like. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm saying like, see, like, like help her see what's going on in the streets because it seemed like he finally was able to see what was going on in the streets uh, like definitely sooner than she was he did he did yell at her at that party where he's like you yeah. think you're a queen like your people are dying out out there and your people are starving and she's like no so she probably wouldn't have had it no i mean you yeah. saw her where she was like there's nothing i can do i still have to be a queen so it's like if she really was trying to help people she would yeah. be like you know she'd be she would have already been more receptive to it and this probably should have been a catalyst for her kind of thinking more about the people right uh, if her best friend you know or whatever they're not best friends but you they're know they're pretty close you know yeah, yeah they're depicted as being like really close and then she knows that he deserves it and then she's all ah, sorry can't do it and he's like but we're friends and she's like yeah i know sorry that's why that's, why, that's kind of why he did time they would like jam out together i thought that was so cool they were like oh he's <laughs> according to fucking wikipedia huge emphasis there but um she's like yeah just play for me and my friends and you're like, okay. And then she would like jam with him on the on the keys. <laughs> How insane is that to think of Marie Antoinette yeah. playing key, playing piano and Chevalier uh, playing the, the violin together. I'm a That's jam a session. Sick jam yeah. sesh, bro. But but yeah, because they were so tight. And um, I, this is all fresh to me, so I don't mean to like be, you know, factoid blasting everyone here. But uh, yeah, he, he tried to get in on the revolution be like, I'll serve. And he served for a while. And they're like, wait a second. You were like best friends with this lady who were chopping the heads mm -hmm, off of. Mm -hmm. He got out of jail and like changed his name and tried to join again. They're like, bro, no. Like, wait, they put him in jail because his affiliations with, with Marie. Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Because he was like, no, you're one of these guys. He's like, no, I am I want to fight for the revolution. But he didn't die. Not then. Nope. Everybody else got beheaded. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Even when you're like down to fight, you're like, yeah, okay, fuck this system. Let's go. They're like, no, stupid. You're like best friends with these people. We're not going to yeah. fight with you. But they also were like, but you but, are fucking okay, good. Fine. Yeah. So we won't kill you, but we're mad at you still. Dylan, what do you like? What do you, what do you think about it? You've been quiet. Oh, uh, fine. I th also thought it was a violin movie. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was a, based on a real person. I thought it was just like, again, trailer did nothing. <laughs> like, no. I mean, it told me what setting it'd be based in right but nothing about like the actual plot i guess but i guess you'd have to be in the know but i liked the film like i didn't think i didn't really think uh you know period <laughs> yeah just watch <laughs> it and i was like oh, nice <laughs> <laughs> that's literally how i looked at it i mean I, I saw the message but i did like hearing like the violins and all that stuff on like a big theater yeah. screen 
did make me like again just selfishly <laughs> there's a big story to tell but i was just like i just want to hear more violin battles i want to hear yeah. more uh more music stuff but you know again gotta give people street fights and pretty dresses and stuff chevalier are we awarding the title of chevalier i think does that just mean knight yes this is so this is dark as is you know like his plantation that he was from was called like forgot the name it's a french name saint george He's like, I am Chevalier Saint-Georges. So as a slave, imagine declaring yourself the knight of the place where you were a slave at. Such a complicated story to tell. And uh, because of that, I will I will award the Chevalier <laughs> to this film. You know, there were some choices made, and I understand them all. And I think there was like a level of craft there that made it uh, uh, better than it needed to be. And... Yeah, it was all in service of the, these points that it was trying to make. So I was cool with it. Maybe not the most like run out to the theaters right now yeah. and see it. There's a people are <laughs> going crazy about Chevalier, but I've seen a lot worse yeah. uh, biopics in my time. And it's nice to see a biopic about a musical figure who wasn't um, in Kiss or Kiss related. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking let him have the night. He deserves it. But um, thinking about biopics, it's. A weird thing to have it in this era, like of somebody that's actual his, actually historical. Right. Coming off of recent biopics that are just like about people you know about. You yeah. Know, you're not really learning anything. Hey, I'm Elton John. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> Ro- wow, look at that rocket, man. Huh. <laughs> that gives me an idea. <laughs> you know Freddie Mercury. <laughs> yeah, these people that you kind of know about already. Right, right. And then it's just sort of like, look at you get more of them that you already know about. <laughs> teach you anything you know it's just kind of like for whatever so when these happen that are palatable that are about actual people and you also learn things about like uh, that time in history i think it's neat and again yeah the set the costumes everything like that the music it's it's nice to see um yeah i don't know the movie was definitely not for me um i'm glad that other people got enjoyment out of it but uh yeah just not for me I'll chevalier him, knight him. Yeah, French knight version him. of it. Yeah, chevalier. Knight with a baguette. <laughs> but in a beret on top of his head. Instead yes, of the, yes. Yeah. With a twirly mustache. Yes. I see one beret or a twirly Ooh, mustache. good point. Ooh. A very short you would think the, the bad guy would look like Napoleon, huh? <laughs> You'd think they'd do some research as they're making a French movie yeah. to give some more French bread and, ba- and the twirly mustache. I didn't mustache. hear one accordion. Yeah, the striped shirt. <laughs> All you have to decide Brent, you got a solo mission brewing. Tell us about it. Indeed. Uh, almost a year ago, I took screenshots of a movie that I didn't know how to pronounce. It was spelled E-N-Y-S, and then the word men, M-E-N. Ennisman? Yeah, Ennisman. Hey, okay. Correct. Good. You are correct. Yeah, it, took, it took me till last night to figure that out. Um, so yeah, I, I was really anticipating this one. It wasn't showing at the local theater, so I had to do a little bit of driving to catch it, but that's fine. This film is directed by a gentleman by the name of Mark Jenkin, who uh, came on the scene with a movie called Bait. Uh, a lot of people kind of noted uh, his eye like behind the camera, and they thought he was really promising. So this one was written and directed by him. Uh, it's marketed as a wildlife volunteer on an uninhabited island off the British coast, descends into a terrifying madness that challenges her grip on reality and pushes her into a living nightmare 
Um, the trailers and all the stills look like Wicker Man, which was basically it's it's one of my favorite movies of all yeah, time. Yeah. So it's set in 1973. I'm like, this is a movie for me. Yeah. This has got to be a movie for me. So yeah, uh, as soon as it was released, it's like I got to go see it. Um, it stars Mary Woodvine and at least a few other people with the last name Woodvine. That's kind of inconsequential, although she did put in a, a great performance. Right. Um, I like this. Uh, when I, when I, about 20 minutes in, um, it, it felt to me like how I would hear people speak lovingly about Skin Marink. You know, they're kind of like, oh man, it's like, it's kind of a vibe. It's like atmospheric, atmospheric core, yeah. you know? And, th- and I was like, okay, I think this is like this, like when people use those words, this is what it looks like to me. But as it went on, um, it really started to, to flesh out. And I, I think this, this guy, Mark Jenkin, I think he's very good at visual metaphors. Um, to the point where maybe this movie could have been 40 minutes instead of an hour and a half because you just kept drilling the same metaphors over and over. So it was really kind of uh, surprising to me to see that uh, a lot of people that have seen the movie uh, describe it as vague or um, just plotless or like, it's just, they, they describe it as just a vibe. And I mean, does like, it have a like hard plot that you could say? Yeah, in I mean, I think mean, what I read, you know, like, like she, you know, it's, it's a woman who's like a volunteer wildlife preservationist and, and she's just monitoring these flowers. Okay. And um, it's clear she's dealing with a, a lot of grief and a lot of trauma. I think what, what what's happening is maybe the people that are watching it don't understand the role of lichen in nature. Yeah. Um, you know, we get, a, we get a good amount around here. There's a point in this movie where lichen really comes into focus, and I mean into focus. Like he is zooming in on it, he's showing it, like you know, gesticulating. Um, and there's even parts where it begins to grow on scars on the woman herself. Okay. And if you look at the subtleties in those moments, and you look at like this woman who was clearly grieving and going through stuff, you start to see like little the corners of her mouth go up. She's she's a little more happy. She's healing. And what comes with grieving and healing, obviously, is you get setbacks. So there's ways that uh, Jenkins shows this in the film. You know, like, it's done through a lot of visual metaphors. Like, for instance, there's... (laughs) On a lot of the posters, there's, like, you know, this giant rock on a hill... And this this rock is viewable from her uh, her station on on the uh, the island. And at one point, she looks out and the rock is gone. So she's like, "Oh, okay, the rock is gone." She closes the door, and then all of a sudden, she opens the door and the rock is there. Face so it's like you all need right. to face the you know the 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 rock in front of you. The, right, the, the right. difficult thing. See, that's what I mean when, he's, when I say he's very heavy handed with visual metaphors. Um, Guessing not very dialogue heavy. No, gotcha. No. Um, there's a good amount of repetition in it, but that that plays into the state of her well-being. You know, like um, when she's logging what's going on with these wildflowers, um, you know, for the first, I think like eight days or so, she's, she's uh, monitoring the temperature and then writing whether there's any change in the flowers. So like for the first eight entries, it just says no change. Right. And after that is when things kind of start, things do change. How, uh, um, how pretty is this movie? Man, I thought it honestly. I I almost texted you from the movie because I could. I know like your affinity towards really beautiful, lush landscapes. I like to look at meadows from inside an air conditioned theater while eating sour punch straws, bro. (laughs) I didn't even get to the best part. 
three four ratio. Ooh, oof. oh, yeah. We, we oh talk god. Yeah. Oh, the sound. The landscape is so open, but <laughs> the, the setting is so claustrophobic. Oh, it's a perfect metaphor for being trapped in your mind with grief. Oh, <laughs> three four. <laughs> yeah, I had to save that one for you. But um, sound wise, it's funny because in two thousand four, I had one of those those MacBooks that had the first generation of GarageBand on it. Yeah. And they had all these like uh, loops built into it. And if you go into the pad synth section, and uh, I swear some of those loops found their way into the movie, <laughs> which is weird because it gave me nostalgia for what software. doesn't... Yeah, it's software, but also <laughs> doesn't feel like a long time ago, but it's actually, you know, like almost two decades at this point. So yeah, yeah, it, it, was, it was an odd sensation to hear familiar sounds, but not from the 70s like right, a 70s right. record or, or an 80s record um it's a tight hour and a half i do think it could have been trimmed to 40 it, it doesn't matter though because like you know if you're if you're watching it to just kind of be in that world it's fine there are some quote-unquote scary moments it does get marketed as a psychological horror movie sure it's not it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. i think it's more of a, a grief and healing why, why, why do movies movie. without a genre just have to go to horror i I don't know. They're trying to like pack people in, maybe. I don't know. I guess that's what that does work. I mean, just had to say weird. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like when you try to market um, a record, you'll know, be like for fans of. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if this one is gonna get wide play. You know, I had, I had to kind of hunt for it. Was a foreign film? No. Really? No. Homegrown in the USA? No. I mean, it's probably shot in the UK or something right, like right, that. But... You know what I mean? But yeah, I think Mark Jenkins is American. All right. A-I-M-D-B. I'm going to give you the plots as ripped from the headlines of the IMDB plot summary. Three of them are real. One of them is AI-generated. Uh, they're gonna, we're going to go by genres. So all of these films that I'm going to mention are, from, are period pieces. Since we did a period piece. should also note these are all from the 80s or 90s. I don't know why I picked that. I just figured that's where most of the movies we've seen are from. So again, one of these is AI generated. The rest are all real. You're first. A butler who sacrificed body and soul to service in the years leading up to World War II realizes too late how misguided his loyalty was to his lordly employer. Is it real or is it AI? Their second entry, an intellectually nonconformist friar investigates a series of mysterious deaths in an isolated abbey. C, a young and ambitious miner falls in love with a local saloon girl while struggling to strike it rich in a small town during a gold rush era. Or is the AI-generated plotline D, an impoverished woman who has been forced to choose between a privileged life with her wealthy aunt or her journalist lover befriends an American heiress. When she discovers the heiress is attracted to her own lover and is dying, she sees a chance to have both the privileged life she cannot give up and the lover she cannot live without. My question to you, movie masters, which is the AI-generated plot? There is only one. B sounds most ducklings to me, so I'm going to go with B. <laughs> Which was the friar one? That's B as well. An intellectually nonconformist friar investigates a series of mysterious deaths in an isolated alley. Abby? Yeah, he said alley the second time, but Abby. <laughs> you could see him typing in friar, right? 
I'd say B. Dylan says B. Justine, which is the AI? Um, C. Colin, which one would you say it is? It's <laughs> a good question. I'm uh, brilliant and can never fall to robotic ruses, <laughs> which is why I would correctly identify the AI plotline as C, a young and ambitious <laughs> miner falls in love with a local saloon girl struggling to make it rich in a small town during the gold rush era. It's a fake. They, I don't know why this time around they added the chat GPT gave me a title for the film. Oh. That one's called Golden Hearts. Good. And it oh. is a fake movie. It is not real. Uh, oh. a, you wrote Golden Hearts? I, or the AI The did? AI wrote Golden Hearts. Oh, okay. um, a is a real movie that's Remains of the Day. B is a real movie, which you guys thought was fake. That's called The Name of the Rose from 1986. What? D is a real movie that is The Wings of the Dove from 1997. <laughs> Your next category is a mystery. <laughs> These are all films from the 1980s to 1990s that are mysteries. Your job is to identify which is the AI-generated plot, as the rest of these are ripped from IMDb. As a lawyer investigates the murder of a colleague, he finds himself more connected to the crime than anyone else. That is A. B. A security pro finds his past returning to haunt him when he and his unique team are tasked with retrieving a particularly important item. C, two melancholy Hong Kong policemen fall in love, one with a mysterious female underworld figure, the other with a beautiful and ethereal waitress at a late night restaurant he frequents. Ethereal is a really rude word to um, give someone with a lisp. Um, (laughs) Or D, when a group of curious children discover a series of cryptic messages hidden in their attic, they become obsessed with solving the mystery, but soon realize they may have uncovered a dark secret that threatens to destroy their families. Which is the AI? Since we're in the 80s and 90s, that thing they do in 80s and 90s movies, like when the stoner's taking the SATs and he right. just like goes all the way down. I'm going B again. The same V. A security yeah, 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 pro yeah. finds his past returning to haunt him. Okay. Yeah. Brent says B. What was A? A is, as a lawyer investigates the murder of a colleague, he finds himself more connected to the crime than anyone else. I go A. What was C again? C is the two melancholy Hong Kong policemen fall Mm. in love. D. Whoa, okay. A is 1990's Presumed Innocent. Uh. B, 1992 Sneakers. C, the Hong Kong one, is the Chungking Express from 1994. And D is an (laughs) AI-generated plot. It's a total fabrication. You're really good at this. (laughs) What are you going on? Break down your theory. You you guys know each other, though. (laughs) No, it's just it's just in the in the air. I'm picking up radio waves. You're good. I'm I'm telling you, (laughs) when these fucking sixteen figure freaks take over, I'm I'm in good company. Mm. I'm going to be able to suss them out. The um, theoretical title they gave for that one is "Whispers in the Attic." Ooh. I, I'm surprised no one has like picked out the names of like their plots. I guess they're just so vague. But it's it's like, way too vague. Like that's why I picked yeah, B because that was like a security pro finds his past returning to haunt him when he and his unique team are tasked. His unique to... team? Like who a. writes like that? Apparently a human. <laughs> the, Apparently an actual human. human. The staff at IMDB. Yeah. Next up, your next genre of films is 80s action movies. Can you suss out the AI plot to these 80s action movies? When a peaceful farmer's family is brutally attacked by a local gang, 
He must use his farming skills to create makeshift weapons and fight back against the criminals seeking revenge for the death of his loved ones. B. A tough New York City ex-cop relentlessly searches for his kidnapped teenage daughter who is held by a twisted psycho after mistaking her for the daughter of a wealthy businessman. C. A pilot sent into the Soviet Union on a mission to steal a prototype jet fighter that can be partially controlled by Neuralink. Or D. A trio of vacationing American students cross the border from Finland to the USSR during the Cold War and are soon imprisoned after a skirmish with the Soviet soldiers, which is the imposter in this bunch. What was B again? Tough New York City ex-cop relentlessly searches for his kidnapped teenage daughter. And then C was the... Um... A pilot is sent into the Soviet Union on a mission to steal a prototype jet fighter. I go C. It's either C or D probably, right? So I'll go with D. Say A or C. Um, say C. A. When a peaceful farmer's family is brutally attacked by a local gang, he must use his farming skills <laughs> and makeshift weapons. That's false. <laughs> we made it up. That's the AI. It's a fake. Yeah. The, the, the alternate title they gave was Harvest of Vengeance. My heart was with A, but I also was like... I think you're trying, you're, you're trying to th- throw this so that you don't look too suspicious. <laughs> I think you're the AI. Be a tough New York cop, uh, relentlessly searches kidnapped teenage daughter. That's Night of the Juggler? What the fuck is the title <laughs> of that movie? Whoa. Uh, C, uh, the pilot sent in the Soviet Union on a mission to steal a prototype jet fighter that can be partially controlled by a Neuralink. That movie is Firefox from yeah, 1982. Yeah, Eastwood. Yeah. And uh, D, a trio of vacationing students... Across the border of Finland to the USSR. That's Born American. It's called. I've never heard of that. That looks. That sounds like such a bootleg. Um, yeah. What's that? Fucking Red Dawn, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so. what made me think it was fake because I was like, "That's just Red, Red Dawn, Dawn, but with fin- 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 fins." <laughs> Apparently, Born American in 1986. Bonus round, last one. Okay. This is where we we flip it up. Uh, this is a real plot to a real movie. Uh-huh. This time around, it's flipped up. One is the real title. The rest of them are false. You have to guess which one. I'll give you the plot first. The wars in your own backyard. Violent warfare erupts in Northern California when a Vietnam vet, Deacon Porter, reassembles his combat strike force to avenge the death of a commanding officer. Is the title of this film actually The Devastator, Warrior's Vow, Ragefield, or Bloodstrike? Oh, my God. And again, this is no shenanigans here. This is the real plot of a real movie. <laughs> the war's in your own backyard, period. I think they probably should have gone exclamation point on that, but <laughs> I'm not going to get too uh, you know, editorial on the IMDb plot summaries. The war's in your own backyard. Violent warfare erupts in Northern California when Vietnam vet Deacon Porter reassembles his combat strike force to avenge the death of a commanding officer. Is it the Devastator? Warrior's Vow? Rage field or blood strike? It's definitely blood strike. It was B. And you say Warriors Valor? Yeah. I'll say A. A is the Devastator. Nice. The real answer is Operation Fortune. Orson <laughs> yeah. Fortune. The real answer is that Dylan has taken the crown of. Mm. The AI detector. It's the Devastator? It's called The Devastator. <laughs> You've never heard of this movie, which neither did I. But it's a, it's a, I think it was also on the 80s action movie page. The war is in your own backyard. 
This one got tricky because I had to say, uh, I, I try, I'm pushing chat GPT to its limit. So <laughs> when they take over, thank me for giving them the intel. I was like, one word of a movie, which isn't already the name of the move of a movie. So like a movie title that hasn't been taken yet. A one word movie title that yeah. hasn't been taken yet. And it took a couple of tries and we got Warrior's Vow is good. I think Warrior's Vow is way better than Devastator. Blood Strike sounds very 80s. It sounds very Rob Liefeld. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, great point. Very early 90s. Yeah, I'm surprised both Ragefield and Blood Strike were Ragefield not. Ragefield is the funniest one. Though. Yeah. Neither of them were taken. And I, of course, double checked it with IMDb. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, whatever. I'm sure they might somewhere. be somewhere. Yeah. No, yeah. and I'll give you one Check again. Check its work. Until, yeah. And then you accept it. And then you accept it into your life. And then you realize that you're so much better letting it govern you. And then you give all power <laughs> to. The AI, either I feel makes me feel good for the robots or bad for us when the actual movies we make are <laughs> indistinguishable. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of creepy. I, I don't know. If we'll, I don't know how many more rounds of this will get before I start having really bleak thoughts. Dylan, what are we watching next? Hey everybody, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Regal Movie Masters Unlimited. We got some movies next week for you. Sisu. That one's going to be a fun one. Y'all like literature? Because we also got book turned into movie. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Polite Society. Not too sure what that movie is about, but I'm excited. Somewhere in Queens, featuring Ray Romano from Everybody Loves Raymond fame. We also got Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Not to be confused with the 2006 Covenant featuring the vampires and the Winter Soldier, and he's a vampire and he's evil. Also, we might... We just might watch Return of the Jedi. Anyways, everybody, see you at the movies. Bye.